You got to keep the big picture that, hey, we're changing the world. We're changing the world. If you want to be taken seriously, you have to be consistent. We're speaking with people that are sending a pulse to their industry. Pulse Welcome to, to Electric People. We have Dave Madsen on the show. Check out Tim Ballard. Jeff Curl. Sheckler. Kenzie Watts. The League presents Electric People. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Electric People. Today I'm really excited for our guest. We have our district manager of the Chicago market, Ryan Antonick. Ryan, excited to have you on, man. Grateful to be here. Super excited as well. So Ryan started with us back in 2015 and he was in door-to-door since 2011 doing Dirty cells. I think you did a little bit of roofing even before that, a little roofing door to door, which we I'll be interested to hear. Uh, I know you said you were you took that job so you could court your wife. So there's the tease, <laughs> Ty. Uh, and he started solar. Is your wife a roofer? <laughs> I think no, it's one of the flexibility. Yeah, one of the flexibility of the schedule. So. Um, Ryan is at 559 career installs with the company. He's done it in three different markets. So he started in the Baltimore market, was recruited by one of our fellow VPs, Ty, was recruited by Daryl Doucette. Uh, I'd say Ryan has got to be one of his claim to fame recruits. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe Daryl's best recruit ever, Ryan. I don't know. We'll let you sell us on it. But, um, Ryan's from, he, he uh, well, before I uh, get to that, he started in Baltimore. He was quickly promoted to be one of our managers in the Jersey Shore market. Uh, what year was that, Ryan? Did you start in Jersey Shore? That would have been two years after I started. So 17, probably 17, 18. That's Could be off one, but right around there. Cool. And then they ran a really successful team there. And then when we opened up the Chicago market, Ryan was on the short list of guys that we were kind of courting to go out and help us open that market. And Chicago has uh, been a little bit of a tumultuous market, what I'm, which I'm excited to kind of hear um, from Ryan because Ryan's continued to thrive and be really successful in spite of a lot of uh, headwind out there. But the first year or so we were there, uh, Chicago was installing, you know, over 300 accounts a quarter for a couple quarters. And, um, he was leading a really, really strong team there. So uh, he's from Canada. He grew up in a little small town called Tabor, which is in Alberta. Um, and the first question I have, Ryan, is how easy can you slip into that strong Canadian accent? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, when I talk to my parents, my mom, She'll, she says a about every third sentence and you, those of you listening, you, you'll be, you might be able to hear it in a few of my words, but I think I've been in the U S now for long enough. It's, I don't think you'll hear it very often. Maybe about that's probably maybe your, or dragon. Maybe I might hold the a a little bit, but <laughs> I, hey, I don't even have my to brother Jordan and I, we always talk about how a makes sense. We don't have an equivalent word for that in like America. You don't have an A. I mean, you can have like a right or, you know what I mean? But it's not, it's not the same. I'm actually pro A. I think it makes sense. Okay. That's cool. And sometimes people <laughs> use it. Like, oh, I, I got to make sure that it, it caught. So uh, yeah, I think it can be used properly. Some people I think use it because of lack of confidence, but yeah. Mm, so see. Ryan, um, you've been doing door to door for a long, long time and I know that you're really, really successful at it. One of the things that I've always been impressed with is your um, your trainings that you give. You're always really well prepared. They're always very articulate, and they're they're really, really helpful for the guys. Um, is that something you've always kind of been passionate about? Is sharing the lessons that you've learned along the way? Interesting question. So, when I was younger, I was actually pretty laid back in a lot of things. And I wasn't, I was pretty nervous actually to be in front of people and to, to do that kind of thing. But as soon as I kind of found myself, yeah, it's, it's very important to me because I just love people and I love to see people succeed and I love to help them put the pieces together. I feel like my brain's really analytical and, and 
I grew up playing a lot of hockey growing up and I think a lot of things that made me successful and the things I've done is just details. And so I see the details, I expect them and I react quickly to them. And so if I can help other people to see those details, I feel like they'll be able to make the decisions themselves. I'd like to kind of principally teach so that people can make decisions for themselves and people can be successful themselves instead of having to rely on, you know, just copying people. They can actually understand why people do things and then and then kind of formulate their own opinions and formulate their own techniques and, and succeed for the long run. So on that note of training, I actually was talking to Nick Hansen about this yesterday, about how the best trainers kind of training is always on their mind. Like they see something or they, they watch something in a movie or they have like something happen to them and they, they have like a, a journal that they write down notes and stuff in. What's your process for that? Are you kind of always thinking about it and always collecting pieces? Always. Absolutely. Always. So if you know that skill finder 2.0, um, learning is yeah. my skill. That anytime you take something like that, I, that's it. And I just love it. I'll, I can eat up anything. Uh, so I'm always trying to uh, find it in a way because I know I want to teach it. Like, so for example, during trainings now, um, I don't ever take handwritten notes. The reason I don't do that is I do it on my iPad because now on my iPad, I can easily transfer it to a keynote. And so I, I understand like the time and everything. So I, 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 everything I, I do is I put it on something that can be transferred to a keynote or transferred to some kind of slide or something that I can do. So yes, absolutely. I've even changed the way I take notes to make sure I can do that. But it's funny after you've been, after you've been leading teams for a while, I'm surprised at how many people don't keep like a training journal or a note section or a folder that has all their stuff in it. Because after you've been, it's like a coach, right? Like after you've been coaching for, you know, five years, you should have a really deep like canon of content that you can that you can use at any time that's kind of always evolving and that's that's something that um i'd like your thoughts on it but as a as a tip to maybe young leaders keep a training journal like if you do a training write it down bullet point it out so that you can access it later do you have something like that that you use absolutely yes i keep all my keynotes so i have a huge folder it's in leadership trainings sales trainings um, motivation. I've got it's all in folders on my iPad and on my uh, laptop, my my Mac. So it's yeah, I, I have it all organized and everything like that. And then, like you said, I like what you said about how it's always getting better. So yeah, I'll I'll go back to a training like Jersey. You talked about when I first was a manager in New Jersey, and I've a lot of the materials that I had, maybe 10 20 percent of it, I like, and I'll bring it into the next training, and it's evolving. Like I think of what I've learned now and. Um, the leader now that I am and the understanding I have about training and just um, motivating and helping people to become who they are meant to become, who I believe they can become and who I think they should believe they should become. Uh, that's changed, but the, the material is the same, but I can deliver in a different manner or put it together in different ways to help people to, to take it in. I think that back to your about training, Adam, it's I think a good training has good content and a great training has good content that that you can that's easily accessible easily to be used and the best trainings are the ones that that you that have passion as well and the only way you can have passion is training is if you embody that you do it and you believe in it fully so to going back to the trainings is I, I that's i think i try to include that with all my trainings that they're good content but they're also they can they're easily they can easily use them um and then also that there's passion filled with and they can feel that i fully live it believe it and and know that it's it's good yeah, the interesting thing with training is when you are constantly like if you're when when, I, when I'm in a cell and you guys have had this where you're in a cell and an objection comes up or like something comes up and you handle it really, really well. And it might even be a new way that you did it. It's really important that the moment you walk out of that house that you like jot down in your notes, like what happened, how it happened why you did this, you know, how the customer reacted and then really like try to understand the psychology behind their reaction and the words that you said. And I think when, and we've all had this as leaders where we're constantly trying to come up with new content training. So your mind is like always thinking like, I got to make sure I have new good stuff for training. Um, it, as you start understanding the psychology behind what moves customers and how how to get good responses from them, you actually just become a much better salesman 
right? Because you're like constantly thinking of the way to train people. So do you think that that's, I guess, what advice would you have for, you know, someone who's like in, in the foundry on the East Coast or in prime on the West Coast, there are these up and comers, kind of the next group up. Um, what advice would you have for them as they're just kind of like focused on their personal performance right now? But how can having that training mindset really help them develop? That's a good question. So I think that <clears throat> probably the best way I could say it is when you, if you most, a lot of people are, can be successful and they can do a good job, but in order to do the best job or to be elite or to be the top 1% of your field, you have to do it in a way that is in, includes all of the little details that other people aren't thinking of. And in order to do that, you can't ever get there unless you're able to teach it. So in other words, there's a different level. The, the, the best people can actually duplicate themselves. They know it in a way where they understand exactly how it works and now they can teach people. So if you are only doing it to better yourself, you'll never get as good as you can be. You'll never get to be absolutely elite. You'll never get to, to be, um, to reach your potential because you, you're meant, I believe your skills and just as a human being, you're, when you acquire skills, you learn them and you become them. It's meant to share and you'll, you'll hit a peak. You'll, you'll hit a lid that you'll never be able to break over if you're not learning it in a way to teach it. So Adam, to your question, when you said, why does training do that? or why to learn or to incorporate things into training or to focus on that <clears throat> is that's, that's the best way to do that from sales. And then in a second point is, is to grow as a leader. You'll never be a leader. Um, you'll never be able to advance your career or to be truly happy. I, I believe happiness will come from a couple things. One is influencing others, but also from, from you being a leader, from you helping people to get to where you are or to surpass you. Right. And you'll never get there. You'll never get there by just improving yourself. And, and you'll never be truly happy because it's more of a self-serving feeling and it's more of self-serving satisfaction and success. And that's not what we're meant to do. We're meant to win with others. We're meant to help others grow. We're, we're meant to build a family, build a culture and build a team. And so uh, you'll never hit, hit what you want to hit. You'll, you'll have a lid that you shouldn't be at. And I don't think you'll be as happy as you can be. And you'll definitely won't be able to advance your career the way that you should. Well, it's, we, we've got so many people and leaders that are unconsciously competent. Like they don't, they don't know why they're good. They just know they're good, but they don't articulate it well. And they don't, you know, they, they don't put it in a training that can be replicated. So I think even for leaders listening, like learning how to become a good trainer and articulate your success and especially like, putting it in a simplistic formula that's like, like step one, do this, step two, do this, right? Because you have to keep it really simple in order for people to remember it and be able to replicate it. So um, anyway, I know we've spent a lot of time on this, but I, I think it's really, I think it's really, um, it's really important, I think, for even people that are just starting, like to, to like analyze what's working, what's not working, and then jot those things down so that they can, you know, almost like as if they have to prepare a training on that topic. And they say a lot of times the people that learn the most um, from a training is the trainer, right? Because of all the preparation they're doing and like figuring out how to do it. So maybe good advice for even people that are just starting, pretend you have to give a training on how to have a successful combine and, you know, keep a journal of your combine and like what worked, what didn't. So. Anyway. Yeah, I think um, it's one of those, one of the things that you said was, uh, you know, focus on learning to teach because this stuff is meant to be shared. Um, talk about, that's kind of like, that's kind of like servant leadership a little bit. I think, you know, the tendency of a lot of leaders is to gain information and kind of hoard it because that's your secret thing, right? Like that's the thing that you've figured out. But this idea of sharing, like I've noticed that the very best leaders share very generously. 
they figure something out and then they quickly go tell it to other people or, you know, even people that are looking to grow on teams. It's like, oh, I'm going to reserve this piece for just my squad and I'm going to give it to my squad and it's going to work and people are going to wonder how I did it. Maybe talk about that and why that's completely flawed I, I, or if, if you agree or not. But I, I generally see that the leader that grows the most is the one that gives the most generously. No, oh, 100%. I fully believe that. And you can just think about it. You go think about your past. Think about your, the best teachers you've had, the best leaders you've had, um, even situations, not even just different people, but people in different situations, like things my parents have handled the, in my life or things some of my coaches have handled. And, and I just go back and I can think about it, or even me as a parent or as a, as a, as a team leader and, a, you know, on for sales or whatever, I can, the way you handle it is completely different. And if you're hoarding and, and if you're selfish and if it's self-serving, even if you get the job done, you're not happy and your team isn't happy and it's, it's going to ruin you in the end. And I think that one of the principles that I, that I love to live by is, is if it's, if you're only getting good results now, that's not good enough. You need to be getting results now, but that it'll also get you good results in the future and it'll make it easier for you to get results in the future. And that's it. If you're not doing that, you're, you're not being successful. Anyone can get results now, right? I mean, there's probably not a ton of parents in here, but it's like a kid. If a kid's doing something they shouldn't and you say, I'm going to punish you if you don't do that. Yeah, you're going to get them to do that result, right? Or as a salesperson, the same kind of thing. If you tell them you're not going to succeed if you don't do that. Yeah, you're getting your results now. But if you teach them the principles, help explain the situation, it might take a child longer to understand or it might take a salesperson longer to get it. But once they get it, it's there for good, right? And that's... I mean, I guess I went off on a little bit of a tangent, but that's the same principle, Ty, because it's because if I'm if I'm hoarding information, I, I, I just want the results. I want the glory. I want the success. I'm not thinking about the other person. And th that's not that, that just if you're if you're looking, if you're thinking still just about results, you're definitely not going to get the results. But just as a human being, you're just no one's going to want to work with you. You're going to be found out and it's not going to be a great experience. You're not going to be able to attract talent. You're not going to be able to keep talent. And you're not going to be able to um, promote talent because they're, they'll see that very easily. And people aren't going to want to work with you if, if you do that. And so I'm, I feel very – probably, that's probably why you asked the question. I feel very strongly about that. And um, I try to do it. Obviously, I'm not perfect at it. But for me, that's absolutely crucial that those that work with me are empowered, right? I'm not accidentally diminishing them. I'm not accidentally – um, making them that when they talk to me, I don't want them to feel like, oh, you're really smart and you're really good. I want them to feel like they're really smart and they're really good and they have the power within them and they have the skills within them and they have the ability to do it if they work hard. I don't want them thinking, oh, man, right, I need to be more like Ryan. I want them thinking, wow, I can do this, right? And I know I can do it. Did someone do that with you? Like, did did someone develop you that way? Did you? I mean, before you were a leader. Were you contributing in an office and trying to find footing? And did you learn that through someone else's development of, of your leadership? That's a good question. Yeah, I, I feel like... Um, like in I've that office some... before, like before you had your own team, did, did they give you the chance to train and figure it out? Or is that something you figured out on your own? Yeah, was Daryl a good manager? Yeah, freaking <laughs> Daryl. <No. laughs> I mean, of, of course he's a good manager. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. Because, no, I figured, no, I'm just kidding. But obviously he was helpful. And Daryl now I feel like is a very good leader. Um, how do you, I get there? I mean, you know, I'll tell you experience. Maybe this is a good way to put it. So before I was a manager, um, I understood it. I got it. But I feel like I didn't really grow into it until I became a manager. And I had an experience where I was in Jersey Shore and there was a rep that was looking to go in our office and he shadowed me and during the whole night i guess you could say or afternoon to evening he was a veteran he'd been knocking for like 12 years he he had read a whole bunch of books um he was super smart better salesperson than me better leader than me but basically everything was better than me and i'm not someone who's going to try and like pretend i'm something that i'm not that's just not me Right. And so, I mean, I was intimidated by him and I had a conversation with him and, and I remember thinking and feeling there's no way this person will ever 
I can't be his leader. You know what I mean? I shouldn't, it, nor, nor can't, I shouldn't be his leader. And I remember thinking that, and then this is what came after. You'll, you'll know my mentality. I said, I will never feel that again. Never, never. And, and that's when I went to town and I started reading as much as I could about leadership. I started learning as much as I could. And then for me, I'm a read implement. <clears throat> Someone says, I read this book. I'll, I, I'll, I'll ask them, what are you doing right now? because of that book that's made you better, right? And that's what I want to know, all right? I want to know those things. So for me, I just kept going and going and going. And I feel like that was the turning point in my understanding of good leadership. And then I look back because there was, I did have good leaders in my life, but I don't think I recognized it until I was in the situation, reading everything that I could, focusing as hard as I can. And, that, and that's me. It's when I dive into something, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not okay with... Um, mediocrity and that that's something for my parents that taught me that but i'm i'm if i dive into something i'm not going to stop until i i've mastered it and then i just keep going but i'm not okay with mediocrity in anything that i choose to do but yeah so that's where it came from that experience was probably a good turning point for me and then i just went to town and committed to it and um, a lot of it came from uh, some really good books from autobiographies as well as leadership books and also just implementing it trying it seeing it work seeing how I feel, recognizing that it was great and, and getting feedback from people and results from people. And, and, you know, most of the offices I've ran have done, uh, have been the top of every market I've been in. So I think that the principles work and I've just tried to keep, keep doing that the best I can. Ryan, I want to switch gears a little bit and kind of go back to your upbringing. Um, Ty, I don't know if you knew this, but Ryan is a very accomplished hockey player. And uh, I'm sure he knew that we were going to bring this up, but he's told this story um, kind of here and there throughout a couple different trainings. But when I say accomplished, I'm talking like Canadian national, like junior team kind of thing. Um, and uh, I'm going to quote, I'm going to quote, uh, paraphrase Ryan uh, from one of his trainings. Wayne Gretzky comparisons at like age 12, 13, 14, like, like this is the next, we talking like, the great one the right next, now. This is the next <laughs> one. Like he was like on pace to like, everyone thought like, have you seen this Antonet kid from Tabor, Alberta? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like that attention. was, you got my attention. So that was the, that was the deal. Um, so Ryan, um, maybe just, I mean, Hockey is what the eighth most popular sport in America. Just kidding. <laughs> I'd say it's a, you know it's one of the big four. We'll say it's number four. It's number. I'd say it's number like three in Boston. By the way, uh, Boston's a big big hockey town. But um, and you know I'm a big hockey fan uh, with the Bruins. But um, but for for people that aren't as familiar with it, kind of walk, especially the Canadian kind of like youth leagues and all that stuff don't be humble here like walk us through what your hockey career was like as a teenager okay um so yeah okay I'll, i i gotta clear up a few things but yes i will i will share so first off i because the, the kind of person i am i looked up what gretzky did at that age and I was like, I got to beat that, right? I got to score as many goals as him, right? Because he's the best. So I wanted to do that. And so there was, in, at a younger age, there was a year where I had 175 goals and 125 assists in like 30-something games or something like that. And that was better than him. So, th so that's where that came from. That's when you're younger. doesn't really matter. But yes, I played. I played. I was fairly good at hockey. <laughs> and I worked really hard at it. Um, so basically with hockey, it's you, you play on your town teams and then you, you know, you, you try out and most of the really good players move up age groups. So I'd always move up and I'd always play with kids either a year or two years older than me. And then uh, when you're 14, 15, 16, then you, you get drafted uh, to major junior hockey and then you play that and then you get, there's junior A hockey as well. So in these leagues are now they, they draft into the NHL. And so I played, I was drafted to the WHL, which is a major junior league. And then I played in a junior A league as well too for, for hockey. So, and, and that's kind of where, I mean, I have a lot of really good lessons from hockey that I learned. Um, I'm grateful for it, for a lot of things that I learned doing that, but um, yeah, that was probably the extent of my hockey career. Youth. So, well, so you're on pace. I mean, in from what Daryl's told me, I mean, 
you were you were on pace to like becoming a professional hockey player and then you uh you know you had this sort of crossroads in your life that took you into another direction so kind of walk us through where you were at with hockey and and what happened and what your mindset was okay so i got to go back a little bit so for me my, so my commitment to to be successful in something and to put in the extra mile that's that's a new thing for me so when i grew up i was the talented one right and and i i believed that you were talented or you weren't and um so i was talented i was more talented than people and it was i almost had the attitude as this i'm talented so i don't need to work out as much as everybody else i don't need to be as conditioned i'm i'm talented so i can go there and, and get the job done and it's it's you, you were it's, the, you were the alan iverson of canadian hockey league <laughs> and that's funny so but the, the interesting thing is i missed that sorry no, no uh, <laughs> the famous alan iverson quote when they were asking him about why he wasn't trying hard in practice and he's like practice he's like i, I mean you've ever seen me playing a game like that's me i don't practice you know like that was you you're the you're the alan iverson of youth canadian hockey league but yeah and I think that it's a good lesson because a lot of us think that way. Like we, we give ourselves a lid because we're like, oh, we're not as talented or whatever. But I fully believe this. And yes, I pick up things quickly and I'm, I, I'm smart. Like I, I get good grades and all that. I, I can usually pick up any sport and be pretty good at it at the start. But I, I feel, and that's, it's natural, but I feel like, I feel like, the reason I was so good at hockey is so crazy. It's not even that. When I was five and six years old, my father, he took me to the hockey rink every morning before school to play. And that year, here's the proof, I was about the worst player on the team at the start of that year. And at the end of the year, I was one of the best players on the team. There's, there's a player in the NHL that well, he was in the NHL for many years. That was that was um, on that team with me, and at that time, I was better than him, and uh, a little bit at, like at that age. But then, obviously, he's way better now. But um, but just so you know, so that hard work, that practice, that consistency got me to where it was, and that amount of practice. This is the crazy part: is that amount of practice, Adam, got me through till I was like 14, 15 years old to be like one of the best players. Like you said, for scoring wise, I'd win the scoring leagues. I played on the all-star teams. I played on the Alberta teams and all that. It That got me to be like one of the best players in my age for that long. It's so crazy, that amount of work effort. And it's crazy because it wasn't even me, it was my father, right? Yeah, I had to drive, but if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have done that. My mom, same thing, like yelling at me if I wasn't working hard at practice, it's crazy. And it died off. So when I was 15, 16, yeah, I was on the trajectory talent wise, but in reality, there's no way I would have made it. No chance. Now, if I would have practiced and I would have put in the effort and worked out the, like now I understand if I want to do something, I understand how, how the preparation and the, uh, the learning and then the work ethic, that's what propels you to victory. And I didn't understand that then, but I mean, absolutely. I would could have been on a trajectory, but I wasn't because I was talented and people told me I was talented and I didn't have an understanding of what it took to be, to, what greatness, what greatness meant and what it took to be great. So yeah, <laughs> I was very good, but I would, I don't think I fully believe I never would have made it right. Never because I didn't have these uh, fundamentals that are absolutely crucial to being successful. So then what ultimately happened? Um, so I, I saw where things were going and, um, you know, the lifestyle of that and how we're going. And I, I decided to go a different path. And I, um, so I, I quit hockey. It's kind of funny situation because my coach was going to trade me to another team and the team was really excited to have me. And so <laughs> I got the phone call from him. And I had to tell him, uh, sorry, I committed to work in the harvest uh, for with because my uncle's farm potatoes and 
I committed work to Harvest this year. I'm not going to be playing hockey. And you could hear it in his voice, like, because he, he traded his best player for me. And uh, <laughs> I told him oh, I wasn't brutal. Gonna play. Yeah, I thought so, there was like a. I thought the harvest was like that meant something, but you're actually talking about potatoes and stuff. <laughs> you're like, I'm gonna work the harvest. I'm like, what's the harvest? Oh, like farming. Got it. That and coach, then I, by and the way, still pissed. By the way, <laughs> probably. I don't know. It's funny because I always had good games against his team. Like I'd always score a goal, or I get a couple points every game we played that team. So you could, I could tell he. I don't know what I don't know why, but that's he definitely wanted me. And then I'll I'll, I'll finish. So I and then I uh, I went on a two year mission uh, for uh, Christian religion at the LDS Church, and then I uh, um, and then I came back and uh, just went to school and I found door knocking for alarms and did well. And there's this company Apex that was always so good, and everyone was talking trash about him. So I found on Facebook, Daryl Doucette and said, Hey, Daryl, you, and I saw he had apex on his social media. So, and I said, Oh, I know him. He's a friend of my brother's actually Daryl grew up in Tabor too. So I knew him cause he grew up in the same town as me. And, um, yeah. And I called him and then he introduced me to the VP in Canada. And I'm like, I'm working for that guy. Brock that his name is Brock Wahlberger. I'm like, there's no way I'm not working for that guy. So Brock's a good dude. That's pretty cool. How many people, what's the population of Tabor? About 7,000. I don't know now, but it's about 7,000, between seven, 8,000. So small. 7,000 something. Yeah, it's tiny. Yeah. Give me, give me a, give me a quick lesson learned from hockey that applies to, to sales. Um, so on one of the teams I played on, there was, um, a, a, some trainers that put, would put stickers on the back of your skates. And one of the, one of the things they put on there, uh, there's a ton, but this is one, it, it, it was find a way and it was on the back of your skates. And then they would, the coach would say why we put the stickers on there. And it's, it's the best team doesn't always win. And you see that in sports all the time. Um, in a seven game series, there's, there's a better chance, but like you I mean, especially in college and all that stuff, but it, the best team for sure doesn't always win. It's the team that finds a way to win. It's the team that wants it more. The teams that plays better together. The teams that are most conditioned, uh, the ones that um, that really find a way to be successful. And I think in this job, it's abs- same same thing, right? It's, I mean, we talked earlier about training and what to say and writing all that down. And yeah, you should write those things down when you're pitching. But it's not just that. I always train the people. It's the feeling of the conversation, right? How did you feel? How did they feel? Right. And, and I, I say there's three legs. Okay. When you're knocking doors, there's three skills. It's all you need to have. Okay. All you need to do. And, and if you do these things, you'll win every time. Okay. It's attitude. It's mastering the skills that work. Okay. Attitude, mastering the skills, skills at work, and then working at work in the hours. And that's it. it, it we, we try and complicate it. Just do things. So you feel great. You have a great attitude master the skills at work don't reinvent the wheel and put in the hours and if you do that i mean go ask anyone who's making two three four five six hundred grand doing this job helping so many people the customers we help save way more money than we'll ever make and that's all they do if you if you pick it down that's it they do those three things good attitude right they work the hours and they use the skills at work and they've mastered i shouldn't say they master the skills that work yeah it's really not more complicated than that huh we just tend to complicate it. I like uh, I like find a way. That's really good. I was having a conversation with um, one of our sales leaders. His name's Jason Allen. Uh, this morning we were out surfing, and we were talking about how um, you know someone that has confidence and someone that has skills. This person is talking to the same. They're in the same living rooms as the people that don't have those skills, right? Like it's not like they're meeting people that the that the less skilled guys aren't meeting right they're having the same conversation and a lot of it isn't necessarily the 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 silver tongue like gift of gab sales isms that they give the customers it's that find a way thing it's like when the customer says uh i don't know thank you for the information we're going to take this and process it a lot of times the one that's not finding the way like their shoulders kind of drop and they're like okay like i tried but the one that's on that mentality is like, okay, listen, you still don't understand something yet. We're this far. I'm going to, I'm going to hit this a couple more times. And it's that little extra piece of win 
you know, is find a way. Is that part of your team culture? Is that, does that hang anywhere in your office? Um, no, it should though. Um, we're going well, to, we're going <laughs> to rebrand and you know what it does in, in another way, but, um, hopefully once Chicago opens back up, I'm pretty sure we're going to rebrand it because of everything that's happened and, and it should be good. I got some pretty good ideas that, um, we'll see what leadership is left and then we'll, it'll be good. So, but yeah, we're excited. No hopefully teasers. In a couple months. That's all you're giving us. What's going to be in the rebrand, man, man, you gotta, you gotta wait right first impression <laughs> hey find Seriously, a way this also, guy's this guy's ice cold <laughs> find a way when you think about it. i love that as well and it's really where the growth happens because most people sort of give up um and then the the winners always figure out how to find a way to win right and and then when they look back at the experience they can vividly remember those moments where they almost gave up but then they just kept yep. at it and they kept at it and then that's when like they break through um i had it's kind of a funny story i don't know if i've told you this ty do you know bj savage oh yeah or bj bj is a friend of mine but he um we were knocking doors in minnesota like back in like 2006 or something and there was a tornado like a huge tornado in like mid-september and tornado or hurricane, I, I don't know what it is called in Minnesota, but um, anyway, we were the only two people that went out to go knock that day because everyone stayed in from the tornado warnings. And BJ and I were like, we, how cool would it be if we, if we got a sail in a tornado? Like how sick would that be, right? So we went out and it was like pouring Tornado sail? We talking tornado yeah, like sails, dude? Like pouring rain, rain, windy. Yeah, it's like an old Al Bundy, like, you know, sales talk. But we uh, we ended up both getting a sale. And we were the only two people in the office that got a sale that day. And I remember BJ looked at me. I, BJ was my manager. And I got in the car and he, he looked at me and he goes, Adam, he goes, winners always find a way. And I was like, yes. I'm like that. And that like stuck with me though. So, <laughs> so when you were saying it, I was like remembering the, the Minnesota tornado. So there's Adam's war story for the podcast today. <laughs> there you go. Um, yep, there you go. So, uh, Ryan, fast forward to today. You're in Chicago. Um, I think this is actually a really, really just kind of stick along the lines of what we've just been talking about. Chicago gets shut down in uh, COVID when COVID starts back in March of 2020. And every other market in the country is back open, and yet Chicago is still shut down and not letting our guys go door to door. And Ryan, um, you know, during that time has still continued to hit franchise uh, without being able to knock. He's still leading a team without being able to knock. He's still able to do all those things. So you want to talk about someone who's adapted to really difficult circumstances. Um, Ryan really embodies that. I know you've had help with guys like Chris Brochu and some of the other leaders there, but um, but why don't you kind of talk us through just kind of how difficult that was and kind of what was going through your head when all those things are going down? Yeah. Well, and how long has it been? How long has lockdown been? What's the count? Since March of 2020. So what are from 14, 15 like months now? 14 months? Yeah, that's, that's crazy. They're the only and I'm, I'm planet still yeah. doing that, man. Yeah, I can't just like pick up and go, right? So make it happen. So, uh, so first off, you, you know how you know that they, they tell you control you can control, right? Well, it's tough because this shutdown. I mean, it you there's a lot of factors that you have to look at it, and you could complain and you could say like, oh man, well if this would happen, then this would happen, right? But it's like, no, see the reality. This is the way it's going to be. And let's see how it's going to go. And you don't, we, the other thing is you didn't know how long it was going to be. But I, I, when I like to make a change, I, when you make a change, you, you change as if it's going to be like that forever, right? Because you acquire a skill and you'll probably be able to use it forever, right? So that's one thing that helped. It's like, okay, well, if I'm going to make some changes, I'm not just going to bandage it up and get through. Right? I'm going to learn something and I'm going to take that skill and have it forever, right? And, and grow it forever and teach it to people forever. So... When it first happened, we're like, okay, well, um, let's let's start. It, they gave us so our leadership came together and they gave, gave us phone numbers to call. So instead of knocking, we could call people. 
uh, try that for a bit. We tried trips, right? We, we went to different states that other leaders allowed us to happen. And then it's like, okay, well, let's try and maybe there's some leads options. So that was the next idea. But um, the other thing that happened is we had the merger with Sunrun, right? Or I don't know what you want to call it. Sunrun bought us, right? So, and now we're Sunrun. So it's, that happened too. So that slowed down a lot of things. So we thought we were going to be able to get leads for some of our top people. So I, I actually purchased uh, for just a couple months, a lead source because I wanted to, I'd never done that before. So I'm like, well, I need to learn this because I want to teach everyone how to do it properly. Well, then what ended up happening, we couldn't. So we couldn't even do the leads because they, they ended up wanting to keep all the leads to uh, NIS. And so we didn't have that. So I, I dropped that. So in other words, it wasn't just one thing. I, I, I was committed to find a way, whatever I needed to do to make it happen. And then what ended up happening is referrals. So what kept me afloat was I mastered referrals. I, I took a lot of great leaders have had some great materials, including Adam, who's right there. Um, there's other people have done really well. And, and I came up with a really good referral system and, and I just started crushing it with referrals. And now I have a system that I know works, that's proven, that's successful, that that I can, that as soon as we get back up and running again, I mean, we'll, I know we'll crush it, of course, because I mean, we did it, we were up 300 plus, and I didn't even really teach people a really great way of referrals. So, yeah, I, we did, we went over it, but now I have a really good way to do it. And, you know, if I ever needed to do leads for some, some kind of skill ever, I've, I've learned that as well, too. Um, just finding a way being successful. And so I, I've, I've gained lots of great skills that going from our conversation before that I've mastered and then I can, and then I know I can teach and I know I can help people to do as well too. And, and I never would have got that if it wasn't for what happened. Obviously I hope we open up so we can add doors again, but <laughs> you're like, I'm done but, learning now. I'm done learning yeah. from this pandemic. <laughs> so hopefully he's like, he's like I read this book called word of mouth about a year ago. And it just really, it just really changed the game. I was waiting for right, it. Right, I got a question was, for you, man. Right. Why not? Why not leave the market? I mean, you're door to door sales force, right? And you got a lot of people that did leave the market, and you couldn't, you couldn't go door to door. And the whole world was like that for you know four months, but not fourteen months. Why not leave? Didn't feel right. You know what? I can, I can sit here and say all the factors at want, but didn't feel right it this is where i there's unfinished business here i believe in the market and i believe what we've done i believe in the people that we have here um the the leaders and the the people that have been here and, and i believe that we're going to be the best again so sorry both of you have really good teams but we're coming and i believe that and and, and if and if it doesn't happen i'll do it somewhere else but i'm coming for both of you <laughs> not your jobs i mean I'm how coming do you for your teams. How do you get the guys to believe that? Because I, you know, like one of the the primary like ingredients in the formula of a of a flagship plus team is just that kind of superhuman commitment that I think we just got a taste of. Where it's like, nah, it didn't feel right. I know there's unfinished business. You know, I believe in the market. I get that for you. How do you get that into your your people? Why do they believe in what what has worked? So people have short memories. All right. It's really short and it seems like a big thing, but just bite it off in chunks. It's going to be easy. It's going to be easy. You get you once it opens up, we have a powerful meeting. We implement the systems. We get the culture going. And as soon as people have a little bit of success, they're on fire. And then you just ride that fire out. I don't I don't believe it's going to be hard at all because people have it inside of them. They may have forgotten it. They might have gotten um, stagnant or whatever, but it's, it, it happens really quick. I mean, we don't have a difficult job Yeah, Mentally it can be challenging at times, but when we pool our energy together and we can do it. And so I, as soon as we're open, it, it's not going to take, it's, we're, we're going to slam ops again, <laughs> or just like we did the but first what about time. Intel then? I, like, how are you holding people that, until then? How do you, what about Intel then? Cause you're talking about when it opens, but how do you keep people believing and doing it the way that they're doing it now? when there's other options. I'm honestly curious. So that's a really good question because the way that I've gone about it is it's, I mean, the facts, the facts, those who are able to adapt and willing and are able and willing to travel and are, are able to, and willing to rely on referrals are making it. And the other ones are not. And some of them have left 
I mean, you take some of the leadership here, a lot of them have went to different places. And for me, mm -hmm. it's, um, everyone has their own choice. And, and I don't, I mean, this is going to sound bad, but I know principles win and I know that the right systems win and it doesn't matter who's in there. So I would love to keep everyone. I would not, but I understand people need money now. If people don't adapt, they're going to go somewhere else. And we've lost a lot, but to <clears> me it's okay because that's their choice. That's their decision. It's like, it's yeah. So if, if they either come back or they don't, and, and I'm okay starting from scratch, I guess that's the best way to do it is it's not a, I wasn't worried about people leaving because I understand what people do. And I wasn't worried about, trying to convince people that our situation is better than it was, right? Here's what I'm doing. Here's what you can do. I get it, right? You do what you feel is best for you. And we'll see. I mean, I don't know what kind of pieces we're going to have left uh, when it opens up. But in my opinion, it didn't matter because, right, it's the circumstances were what it made. And it was 14 months, right? Like, you know, you, you got to put your energy where, where it best, where, where the best use is. And, you know, in reality, all my systems are built about being able to knock doors, right? And so we haven't been doing that. And so you you get, I think you get the point. So it's like, I'm, whatever happens, I'm not, I guess it was me for just not being afraid and not being fearful and, and just showing you can still do it. But if you don't, you need something else, go for it. We'll invite you back when we open back up. And there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of people that are at different places that will come back as soon as we're able to be back in Illinois. Here's what I, here's what I know that when it finally does open up, whoever is there with you still are going to be incredible sales reps. Um, it's the same thing I, I tell, you know, when I'm, when I'm going around, especially in New England, when it's the middle of winter and it's like the worst time of year to be knocking out there. I said, here's what I love the most about the winter. I said, there's going to be a portion of you in this room that quit over the next couple of weeks and maybe the next month or two. And I said, my favorite meetings of the year, are in April when I go back around, I visit all the teams and I see who's left because those are my people. Like those are the ones that I want to work with. Those are the ones that I believe in. Those are the ones that like, that I will do anything for because you have the stick-to-itiveness, the grit, just like you, you'll grind it out during the toughest circumstances. So when this thing opens back up, whoever's left like that is your crew and you're going to do whatever you have to for them you'll have their back for life your lead your other leaders will they're going to have each other's back i mean that's like you're when you do hard things together there's just a bond that's built that you can't ever replace so hopefully the the chicago reps that are listening to this just know like once this thing's over especially um like you guys will have a special bond and there it's like training, you know, running on the sandy beach. And then all of a sudden you're going to be on an indoor track. Like you're going to be flying past people because of how hard the circumstances have been throughout that time. So, um, I obviously I'm looking forward to it. I'm, I know you are a lot more than, than me, but, um, I wanted to just kind of end with this, Ryan, we're about out of time. Um, we started out by talking about how much you enjoy training and, and how much that has helped develop you. What advice would you have for someone just starting in the company right now? Um, and maybe even a quick, uh, a quick hit training for them. Um, I, this advice is for brand new people. I, but I also think it's for everyone. I think it's a way to check yourself. So, when you want to grow like crazy and you want to get better, there's something that I learned a long time ago that is, I try to fit in almost every, every time because I feel like it should be a part of, it's a part of me and I have passion for it and I feel like it can help anyone. And, and it's really simple. It's happy and grateful, never satisfied. And I want to, and I, hopefully everyone who's listening to this, I want you to think about your life and think about, you as an individual and think about everything, work, professional relationships, most importantly, probably your relationships, because that's what matters in life. And think about there's people that it's think of it as like a scale, right? So a lot of times we think of if when we're trying to grow, we're, we're not satisfied, we're, we're, we want to grow so much that nothing else matters. We forget about where we've gone. We forget about who's gone before us. We forget about all the lessons we've learned. We forget about um, what makes us happy and we're miserable to be around. And if we don't hit our goals, 
it's life isn't isn't great and then there's other people who are they're happy and grateful and the reason why i say happy and grateful because just be grateful and you, it, it's impossible to not be happy and but they're content they're satisfied i've done enough and eat maybe you made a million bucks last year right or maybe you're like oh i don't need to make money i just i have my family that's all that matters you know what i mean i don't i don't need that right but in reality you're not truly happy you're not truly going to feel like the person you want to be unless you do both at the same time so forget about being like it's a forget that it's a it's like a it's like a scale but it's like two graphs and you just want to shoot them up as fast as you can right and if you don't match your desire to improve right you're being unsatisfied with your gratitude you're going to get out of whack and in my life and others that i've noticed is when you aren't feeling right you're feeling down you your things aren't meshing the way you should no matter how successful or unsuccessful you've been if you think about it you're missing something you're either not being fully grateful for what you have and you're or you're not uh being you're not being unsatisfied or you're not trying to grow as much as you can so think about that really hard and and and, and a lot of times if you look at it, you'll be like wow i've been trying to grow so much i'm forgetting about my family my relationships and and being happy enjoying life and or you're like man i've been enjoying life so much i forget to grow and improve right and that's been a difficult thing for me because my career is to grow a team and to be successful and i'm thinking like wow i need to i need to do this i need to be better and i need to do that but it's hard it's hard for me to recruit someone brand new to a door-to-door -door market that isn't allowed to do that you know what i mean and so there's inside inside it's like well you know, I'm not going to lie to someone. I'm not going to put them in a bad situation. So it's like, how do I, how do I do this? Do I just bring them in? And then now they, they work through their warm friends and then they got it. Like, cause we cannot knock like we, it's not, it's a legit, we get fired and, and, and the government has said, we can't, we absolutely cannot do it for this program. So that's, that's the crazy part. But anyway, so I, I, I deterred a bit, but that, that's the message I would say to new people is you learn as much as you possibly can, but be grateful and happy every single day. Right. And when you have failures, that's lear you're learning, you're growing. Right. Be grateful for those. You've learned different things. And when you're successful, don't forget about um, don't forget about life. Right. And I say work hard now, play hard now. Don't work hard now, play hard later. Work hard now, play hard now. Right. Every day. Work hard now, play hard now. And, and I feel like you'll be you'll have a wealthy life. You'll feel self-fulfilled and you'll be a magnet for talent. You'll be a magnet for people. And wow what a what a wonderful opportunity is when you're when you're feeling like that and and that's that's what life's all about that's why we do what we do right is so that we can we we don't have to be bound by bills we don't have to be bound by others we can live life the way we want to live we can influence who we want to influence and we can become the people that we want to be in and and put energy into the relationships with our loved ones the pride of Tabor, alberta uh ryan nick thanks for joining us today um keep up the good work man i loved hearing all the hockey stories and and uh a lot of great great nuggets um for our listeners to apply to their work life so ryan thanks for your time today and this has been another episode of electric people thanks guys thank you so much if you've liked what you've heard and are interested in joining our teams, check us out at viventsolar.com forward slash careers. If you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and subscribe. Leave us a great review and leave us a five-star rating. Thanks for hanging out with us today. This is Electric People. Take these principles and go be electric.